Okay, um, so I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Hi. Um, and I might have to look down at my notes because it's a lot shorter and I guess it makes a lot more sense when I look at my notes, just so that, you know, I'm not being rude. Um, but I'm going to share my story with you today, and I um, am not sharing it looking for a sense of pity or, you know, going for pride. I'm just sharing it because I love for you to learn from some of the things that um, God has shown me and the way that Jesus has changed my life so far. So I want to make sure this is a story about um, what God has done and not what I've overcome. But there's a few little dark parts where I might cry. I'm a little emotional. Um, If you have any questions about something afterwards, um, you know, just let me know if you wanted to talk about something. Um, Before we get started, I do want to just take a second to thank you, like City Church, for being so um, open and warm and loving. Um, It does mean a lot. And then thank my project new friends who um, are here, too. You guys are awesome. And pastors Chris and Jake. Because I realized when I tried to turn my testimony, like my personal story, into a sermon, this is very hard (laughs) to write a sermon. I don't know how they do it, but they are amazing, so um, thank you so much. And also uh, my family, my parents, and my friend are here, so that's so amazing. So big shout-outs and thanks to them, too. And now, um, oh, somebody's getting a text. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Oh, okay, sorry. So let's pray and center ourselves. Um, Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather and worship you. Thank you for this time to learn more about you and how amazing you are. We just ask that your Holy Spirit would be present in this room and that you would move in our hearts today so we can leave changed for the better. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would work through me and the words that come out of my mouth are the things that need to be said and that my will would not stand in the way, but your will would prevail, Lord. Lord. Um, Give us ears to hear and open our eyes for understanding. Soften our hearts to receive the message that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, to those of you that don't know me, hi. I'm Amanda Tomey, and I am by no means qualified to stand up here, but um, there's my family. I grew up um, as a Perry Panther, clearly, with my parents and my younger sister in a middle-class household. Um, I did go to Walsh University, and I've spent the last um, 11 years teaching for the Stark County Board of Developmental Disabilities. Big, long phrase there. But it's preschool for children with special needs. Um, I grew up Orthodox Christian and went to the St. George Syrian Orthodox Church down on Cherry Avenue. So St. George's congregation is a little bigger than this but still small, so you get that feeling that, like, everyone knows everyone, or at least they think they know everyone. And I was active in the youth group, and after college, even started dating one of the guys um, from youth group. And when we started dating, we pretty much figured, yeah, we're, we're going to get married. You know, we had similar upbringings, um, similar values and things. So five short years later, we got married, <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is going to be awesome. You know, we have um, great family, successful jobs. We have a beautiful house. Uh, I'll have beautiful kids to go with that house. Like, I pictured, like, white picket fence life. And it was great. And a few years into the marriage, um, we decided to have kids. Uh, But as we were trying, the normal stuff just wasn't working. Um, Which does, like, it really threw me off, especially since I had watched uh, friends and 
uh, family members have their second kids, so I just felt like a failure at something that a 13-year-old on drugs can do by accident. Um, so it was a, a rough time for me, feeling like a science experiment and tracking my body temperature, getting blood tests, different things like that. Uh, when it came time to have both of us go to the doctors, that was when um, finally my husband got it across to me. He did not want kids. He wanted to pursue his supplement company. It was one of those moments where, like, if you're in a relationship, maybe you know, like, you are saying one thing and the other person is not receiving what is being said. So finally I got it in that moment. Um, but I held on to hope, and we kept going on with the marriage. Um, and as we continued, I just kind of felt like something was breaking. And despite whatever I tried, um, you know, the life that I had planned and, and uh, my marriage was just, like, slipping away. Like, the tighter I was holding on, the faster it was falling through my hands. Like my picture here of the girl squeezing onto the sand. Um, down the road, then, my sister showed me a picture of this girl on her, you know, her Facebook page. And she's young and beautiful and in a relationship with my husband. So there was pictures um, of all the fun they had had. And it's like, you know, like, there's really, like, rejection doesn't quite define it. Um, even, like, to say, like, losing trust, like, you just, I lost trust in everything, um, in him, in myself, everything. Um, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time, you know, focusing on all of that, but I, I do kind of have to go through it just so you get a picture of, like, where my story is, is leading to. But, um, you know, we went through marriage counseling, which I do highly recommend counseling. Um, it was very helpful. Um, he didn't want to continue going through it, but you know, don't think that I'm blaming him. This is, this is not me blaming him for the death of the marriage. It takes two people to be married and two people to kill a marriage. So, you know, there was a lot of components to that. Um, at one point, he thought I was unfaithful to him. At one point, we learned he was addicted to illegal steroids. So, you know, a lot of complex components going into that. I just wanted to get across to you that I was feeling, you know, like paralyzed by pain. Like I would spend hours just on the floor crying I was just panicking, you know, constantly thinking, where is he? What is he doing? Who is he with? Um, you know, and just to deal with all that, I was searching for a way to take away the pain. And, sorry, um, I just started drinking more and more. We're getting real acquainted, you guys, really fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would take my water glass, fill it up with some Captain Morgan, you know, top it out with a little Coke, suck it down with the straw, repeat, you know, add in a few shots, and then finally pass out at night. Um, and one night, I drank so much that I had um, puked all over myself. And my husband, like, he picked me up, put me in the shower, like a cold shower in the movies, clothes on and everything. It looked like fun, but in real life, it's not, not the most fun. <laughs> Um, you know, he slept on the bathroom floor, he gets up, goes to work, it's the next day. And this is in the summer, by the way, because I just told you I was a teacher. So you know, <laughs> this was in the summer. Um, and I'm just laying there, and I realize, oh, I, I have plans with my beautiful nephew up there. Um, that was, he's older now, but that was about how old he was at the time. And with my sister, and I had to call her and say, I am so sorry, but I have to cancel on you, because even though it's 9.30 the next day, I am still too, too drunk to stand up. And I remember, like, I was just laying there thinking, like, you have failed. You have failed at achieving the life that you wanted. You failed at um, being a desirable wife. You failed at your marriage. 
you let your family down, you lost your friends, and now, like, you have failed at being an aunt. And that was, that was my rock bottom. Like, I was just laying on the floor, looking up at my skylight, and I just felt so far down. You know, my life was shattered into pieces. I had no idea um, who I was, like, who to trust. I just was devastated and just felt totally alone. And that was my rock bottom. And in that, in that moment, I heard this voice, like, inside of myself, and it said, you have got to stop. Amanda, this is enough. This is not what I want for you. And it, it's like a feeling just kind of, at, at that moment, I, I just felt that somehow I would be okay. I just kind of knew I was going to be okay. So slowly picked myself up off the floor, you know, and tried to seek God out. My assistant had um, given me the um, website to Faith Family. It's out on my nightstand for a few months, but finally I started, I went there, started watching the sermons and the archives and things, went to Faith Family, um, rededicated my life to Christ, and now we're to the part of the story that I came to share. After all that, um, this is one of my favorite scriptures, and it's found in the book of Jeremiah, so I kind of centered what we're talking about around this. So Jeremiah was a prophet, and he was writing to Um, He was writing God's message out to the Jews, and he said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so, I'm here telling you that he has plans for you too. And that um, I think just acknowledging that these plans exist isn't quite enough. Like, I think we have some part of us, like, we have to take take steps towards that too. So... You know, I felt in that moment, like, yes, I dedicated my life to Christ, and yes, I um, heard that voice and had a sense of peace, and, like, I would be okay, but I still had to get up, wash my nasty laundry. You know, like, we still have some things that we can do. So we're going to talk today about um, how we can um, take those steps to achieve God's plan for our lives. And one of those ways would be to seek God first. Seek Him first um, above all things. When we look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is teaching on the mountainside, and he's telling them, you know, people, they worry about what are they going to eat? What are they going to drink? What are they going to wear? And he said, for your heavenly Father knows that you have, that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Um, So what would that look like if we were to seek God first, practically? Uh, One way would be to Um, read your Bible before you do anything. So that when you wake up in the morning, you open your eyes, the first thing you do is look at scripture. Even if it's just one verse or one chapter, I think it really, like, it centers your day. They even have, like, apps, like the YouVersion Bible app that will send you, you know, a verse each morning. Um, Communicating with God, and that's how I put that little picture. I hope you can see it. It's like texting back and forth to Jesus, and that's how I think of it. Like, more than just one prayer in the day, but, like, constant communication with him, um, and um, then also thankfulness and praise. And there, there is some um, research by someone, um, she's a neuroscientist called Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she's showing that when you thank God, when you praise him, it actually changes your, your thought patterns in your mind. So, and that is another way to seek him out, just to thank him. Even in the worst situations, there are things that you can thank God for. Worshiping him, 
which goes above and beyond just um, praise. I think when we're worshiping, like, God really changes us from the inside out. And then tithing is another way that you can seek God first. You, you give to him in the beginning of the month from the finances that he, like, entrusted to you. You give before you have paid all your bills and, you know, done everything you wanted to do for the month and then whatever is left over, you just give to God. You do it first. So um, the great thing about God is as you seek him out, you know, he is there and he's changing you and he'll probably show you things about yourself that need to be changed. And one of those would be forgiveness. So forgiveness for others and forgiveness for yourself. Um, So when we look at Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching again and he's, He said to them, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So I thought, I, you know, I forgave my husband for his sin, so I thought. And then my therapist, as we're going through, he's showing me, like, you have to forgive for even little, tiny offenses. Things that, you know, you just get offended about, like, or, or little things, like, so I learned, like, forgiveness is this process, like a continual process that you go through. And sometimes I even feel like little things will pop back into my mind that I thought I had forgiven, and I have to remind myself, you forgave this, and just ask God again, like, help me with this. Like, um, so I, I just wanted you to know that, you know, like, it's, it's huge. Forgiveness is not for the other person. It, it really is for you. Um, in the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing... To the, to the church, and he's um, trying to encourage followers. He's actually in prison at the time, and he's trying to show them how to walk with God. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So freely you were forgiven because Jesus paid that price. So freely you should forgive. Um, you know, like, I, I just think what's great is if you feel like it's impossible, if you feel like you can't forgive, just pray about it. Just ask God to help you, and he's going to help you. He, he will show up and help you to forgive. Um, another way that we can uh, work towards the plan that God has for our lives would be to embrace our true identity. And I like this section a lot. Uh, it's something that I'm like constantly trying to do, and actually I'm constantly trying to do all these things, but I just, it was, this section really um, impacts my life a lot. So to embrace your true identity kind of looks like three components. Um, it looks like making God the center of your life, which kind of might sound like seeking him first, but I think to seek him first is a lifestyle. To make him the center is, is your mindset. And... Um, like, if you see the little question, oh, it didn't show up very well. It's a question mark in the middle of that circle. And then around it, in the other circle, it says, like, you. So what does your life revolve around? For me, it was um, my husband. So when that was gone or when that was threatened, like, you know, my world was shattered. What was I going to do with my life? You know, for you, maybe it's your job. And your world revolves around your job. You know, but if your job is threatened, um, then, then what? That's why God needs to be the center of your life. Your life should revolve around him. He is the constant. He is the guarantee. Um, and then the second piece would be to accept the Bible's truth about your identity. You know, my identity was wrapped up in being Mrs. So-and-so. And when, when that was gone, I didn't know who I was. 
but my identity, like, it's not wrapped up in that. It needs to be aligned with what the Bible says uh, my identity is. So, like, I am not just divorced. I'm not, you know, confined by the definitions that society puts on me, just like you are not confined by those. You're not defined by what you tell yourself in your mind. Like, you know, you are not just a C student or just overweight. You are not unemployed. You are what the Bible says you are. So I, I want to really get this across, and I want to look at um, some scriptures and see what does the Bible actually say that you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, as in the book of Psalms says. You know, and, it, and then my, one of my favorite scriptures in Second Corinthians um, where Paul is writing to the church of Corinth and he's sort of defending himself in the letter, he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I love it. I kind of feel like each morning when I read it, I'm becoming new and, and you know, Christ is still working on me. Um, and then Galatians 2.20 happens to be one of Pastor Chris's favorite scriptures, which I didn't know. But learned, and Paul's writing again, and he's he's telling the story of how he received the gospel message, and he said, "I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me." So that is really beautiful scripture. Sometimes I think when we read, we just gloss over things, and we're reading fast. But when you take a moment and you look at that, and it says that you, you don't just live now. Like, Christ lives in you. And he loves you. He, lo- he loved you so much, he gave himself for you. So, I mean, that's beautiful. Like, God sent his only son because he loved you so much. You, even though you, you know, mess up all the time, like, he still loves you so much. That's amazing. And I don't want to be crying up here even more, but, I mean... Yes, that, that is what the Bible says about you. And the Bible also says, um, when we look in Second Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy, encouraging him. And he said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so that takes me to the next point about how you embrace your true identity, knowing that as a child of God, you have power. Um, so you have power over your thoughts. And this, this one really helped me, although this is my least favorite slide that I created. Sorry about that. But um, just to, to know that you have power over your thoughts, those things that are running around in your mind. You're not good enough. You can't do this. You're, you know, you messed up. You messed up. Just grab that thought. Where did it come from? Why are you thinking about it? Is it helpful for this to keep rolling around and around in your mind? Um, when we look... When we look down at um, the, the bottom one, it said that the, the weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And that is Paul writing again in Second um, Corinthians. In and so I just, like, I challenge you, like, we think there's this battle for souls going on and, you know, this battle between good and evil, and I kind of usually would imagine it like a physical, you know, like guys charging at each other, like, battle, but it's not necessarily in the physical sense. It takes place in our mind, over our thought life. Um, 
you know, so what, what are you thinking about? Grab that thought, hold it captive, make it obedient to Christ, line it up with scripture and see, um, you know, does it, does it match what scripture says? When we look at Romans, Paul's writing again, apparently I love when Paul's writing, but really he wrote most of the New Testament, so, <laughs> you know, um, but it, it says, uh, he, he said, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, you know, like culture today, we're, we're kind of thought, like trained to kind of think a certain way. You know, we look at all these images and pictures and we think, I'm not as skinny as she is. I'm not as pretty as she is. I'm not as smart as that guy. Like we're always comparing ourselves. And that's how culture te- teaches us to think. But do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So to renew your mind, change the way you're thinking, um, it is really helpful. Like I was, you know, like I was telling you how I was just so anxious and constantly paranoid and thinking, where is he? What is he doing? Like, you know, like those thoughts were not helpful. I was trapped in my own head. Like when I learned to think about what I was thinking and just cut that out, just stop myself when I realized I was starting, like my anxiety level just went down drastically. What, what I challenge myself with sometimes is like the, this next verse here in Philippians. Again, Paul is writing, and he, it's actually like a, a letter of gratitude um, to the church in Philippi. And, and he said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So that thought that you have rolling around, is it true? Does it line up with scripture? Um, is it lovely? Is it, is it admirable and excellent? Like, um, next point, not, that, that will also be helpful. Um, not just um, that you have power over your thoughts, but that you, you have power over your words, and your words influence your life also. So, um, you know, we, we know our words carry power. They kind of teach us that when we're little. You know, your words carry power. Power to build someone up. Power to te- tear someone down. Um, but they also have power to speak into your circumstances. So if you spend a lot of time just complaining about your job, like, oh, my job sucks. It's so hard. I can't stand I can't stand this person sitting next to me. Like, they are talking all the time. They are so annoying. And, like, your situation is not going to change, you know, if that is all you are saying about it like but if you change what you're speaking about that job it's going to switch your perspective um, and change up your circumstances so maybe instead you could say like thank you God for this challenging job I know that I'm learning you know things all the time and thank you for so and so that sits next to me you know they're they're very generous or something there's always something positive that you can say you just have to you know focus your mind on that so um, sorry Sometimes I just get on my little soapbox. Uh, so just to recap real quickly. So we're talking about, you know, achieving the plans that God has for our lives and some ways that we can do that. Um, one would be to seek him first and to forgive. The other would be to embrace your true identity and knowing that you are who the Bible says you are. You are not how you or this world labels you. Um, and you have power in that over your thoughts and over the words that you speak. And another way that you can um, achieve these plans would be to step out of your comfort zone, which looks different for each person. But 
you know, to step out of your comfort zone does require you to trust God. Um, you know, one example was like tithing earlier. You would trust him, you know, if you tithe in the beginning of the month, you're trusting him to bring in enough money to pay your bills. Um, trusting God, you know, if, if, you, if you move out of your comfort zone, that's when you kind of see what you're made of, like what God is doing in you, you know, and through you. So I love the scripture from Proverbs. It's pretty popular, but I think we should just read it. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So I did include some pictures of where, where I trusted God. I had never been out of the country. And I um, decided I'm going to go on a mission trip. Always wanted to do it. Did it. Took a lot of trust. Um, so there I am in Mexico in the bottom two pictures. And then actually went to Nicaragua also with some friends from Project New. And we built that house behind us um, for a family. So it, it is amazing, which also kind of leads into my next point of serving others. You know, when we have problems and when things go wrong in our lives, we tend to just only focus on those things. We get tunnel vision. And, you know, that's all we see. That's all we think about. We're fixated on that. But when you're serving others, you get out of your own head. You stop focusing on yourself and your problems. And you realize, like, wow, this person's got it bad, too. Maybe even, you know, worse than, than I do. So I shouldn't be feeling so sorry for myself. I can get out of my own head here, you know. And um, I love what I love about when you serve others, you go there with the intention of helping them, and they always end up helping you. Like, you, I always feel so much better. I thought I would be making them feel better, but it's me that, that's changed and feels better. And then making new friends also is, um, for some people, is, is hard and is a way to come out of your comfort zone. Like in my situation, I had to get all new friends. My friends were pretty much related to him, but I found awesome friends, so, or I had some. So, um, you know, your, your friends and the people that are around you help keep you on the path. So if you are seeking after God and you are following Christ, you want to make sure that your friends are also following Christ because it's going to help sustain you and help keep you on the right path. Um, so just to recap, you guys are doing so good. No one is snoring yet. I'm almost done, I promise. Like, um, but just the ways that we can achieve the plans that God has for us would be to um, seek him first above all things, and that does include forgiveness. Embracing your true identity, you know, um, knowing that you are what, who the Bible says you are and that you have power over your thoughts and the words that you speak and Step out of your comfort zone and trust God. When you do these things, essentially what you're doing is surrendering your life to God. Um, and like I was thinking, like what, like what would I, what do I so desperately want to share with you? And that, that is it. Like I wanted you to know, makes me cry. But I want you to know that you are loved. You are so loved, Ian. And God has big, big plans for you, every one of you. And if you just surrender to him, you know, he's going to be there. He's going to help you. you. We all have pain and suffering in our lives. Life is hard, right? But you don't have to carry around that pain. You can give it to Jesus, and he will exchange it for peace. So when you look around in your life, and maybe your whole life feels that way, or maybe just a certain section, maybe just your job right now, feel shattered and you feel lost or maybe you know maybe it is your marriage maybe it's something else for you whatever it is and you look around and all you see are these shattered broken pieces 
that is not what God sees. He sees the whole picture. Um, he knows how to take those shattered, broken pieces and turn them into a masterpiece, just like that, that beautiful glass heart on the, on the left. So you just trust him. And um, I just challenge you in that, just to trust him. Just hand that over to him and watch how he will turn your life into something that you would have never thought possible. So let's um, just close in prayer. Father, um, thank you for the opportunity to glorify your name and to grow closer to you through your word. Thank you for the way that you have changed and continue to change my life and the lives of those around me. Thank you for loving us all so much that you would not just care for us and comfort us through our pain, but that you have plans for each one of us. And as we draw near to you, we know that you will draw near to us. Help us, help us please to remember what we learned here today and apply it to our lives. Continue to change us from the inside so that we can do your will on this earth, achieving the plans that you have for us. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen.